Peace, y'all. Welcome back to Check the Method Podcast. I am your host, I'm Tony Peralta. And today's guest, we have the homie Christoph Roberts. Christoph is a Chicago native of Bahamian descent, currently based in Brooklyn, uh, where he runs his Manza Studios. Christoph is a multidisciplinary artist working in sculpture, painting, design, and installation works. Um, I met Christoph uh, a few years ago. We both uh, were part of a group show. Um, it's where I first saw his well i think i seen his work online first but uh he does these manza uh lions uh at that time they were created by nike boxes he will cut them off and and make these sculptures of lions and his work is it's it's incredible i went over to his studio in um in brooklyn and I don't even I don't even call it a studio. That was like an operations. This guy is like a businessman and an artist and 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 really got his shit together. It was I was extremely inspired and impressed. Um we sat down and chopped it up for almost 2 hours. Uh this is a a really great episode and I hope you guys enjoy it and learn some really great um tips and and see what it's like man to really be out there and and creating work and and live off your work so enjoy peace that's the one two one two check 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 mic check all right so um first of all christoph thank you for um for welcoming into your space man this place is incredible it's an honor i didn't i was not expecting this um this operation <laughs> it's like this there's a there's artist studios but this is like artist studio studio slash operation <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah so thank you man yeah no problem it's an honor to even be um doing the interview with you as i told you outside this interview like your work speaks to just like it just has your work is just so dope i love that Thank you. It, it's easy to like understand like where it's coming from, but then the way you capture, you know, the history and the culture of, you know, your dynamics and your upbringing, and, you know, your family and I think it's just amazing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, just if you could give me a little synopsis about you, you know, where you grew up and where you're from and all of that. Yeah. Um, so you know, I'm I'm originally from Chicago, but my my family uh, backgrounds it's it's a bit dynamic. Being my father uh, from the Bahamas and my mother from the South Alabama, but they met they met overseas like classic situation. Oh, really? Bahamas. My mom was on a vacation. They met in the Bahamas. Yeah. Oh, okay. You know, my dad had that island slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally <laughs> came hustled through, swagged out, and just dropped one off. That's what's up. Here came Kristoff. So, yeah, it's been interesting, like, as I got an older, too, just really digging into that past and what I come from and mm-hmm. really understanding, like, some of the natural, like, gifts I have in my process that I was just naturally doing before I knew what it was. Nice. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes you got to, it's good to go back and just kind of dig in. 
Because people have that twisted too about process and the artist, like that you have to have it all figured out. But a lot of people don't know some of the most famous artists work backwards. Yeah. Like, the, the artists you love, like even with songs, like some of the big, biggest artists will hum the whole song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then they'll go back and put lyrics to all the hums, yeah. right? Because they want to get the soul and the melody right. So it's it's interesting. Like it's no it's no straight path. Do you have siblings? Yeah. So I'm an only child with a half brother um, on my father's side, and then um, you know with a my mom's sister. My mom being a single parent. Um, for a portion of my life, they were together in the beginning. But with that being said, you know how it is. Your cousins become your... Your family, yeah. Your, your brothers and sisters mm-hmm. that you're around all the time. So my cousin Zada and Shaki, I really consider them sisters. And, and you grew up in Chicago? I grew up in Chicago, yep. And what was that like? Oh, man. Especially I think- for somebody that... You've been living here in New York City for how long? Ten years. So what what's the 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 like what's the contrast between Chicago and, and New York City? Man, I would say there's more similarities, you know, than anything, but I would say that the big differences I'd have to say is the differences is I think New York is a melting pot for everything, right? And at the time when I was a teenager in Chicago, um a lot of the things I, I sought after as a teenager and wanted to be a part of were often coming from New York. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I grew up, like, I'm a child of hip-hop, yes. right? So I grew up on the inner city streets of Chicago, like, doing graffiti, being at breakdance, right. circles, um, spitting. I was an MC. Um, I was a part of a lot of the the pillar original Chicago um, B-Boy crews from Nacrobats. And then I eventually was in... Um, Peanut gallery people from Chicago know about these crews, but yeah, like, you know, I'm a child of hip hop. So, you know, naturally like New York, like to me at the time was like the Mecca of hip hop. Right. And I knew Chicago, we had our own sound, but I was also just so pumped on common sense and the Kanye's and everybody that was coming up at the time, even early Kanye, when I had the mixtapes, and a lot of people in Chicago had the mixtapes before the world had the mixtape. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So we were already buzzing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and at the time, my cousin was doing vocals for Kanye. <clears throat> so she was around that whole birth early on. My cousin Shaki. So I used to get all this like insight into like what was going on. She would share mixtapes with me that weren't even out. Like new music that was coming out from good music. Um, but like. You know, Chicago at the time, back in the day, being a teenager was amazing because we would all meet um, at the spot called 51st and the Point. Or we would meet downtown sometimes, but it would be like, I'm not even lying to you, it would be like 50 to 100 B-boys, like, taking up, like, blocks, like, with Griffey sketchbooks. Like, we would always get moved around, too. Like, we would show up and, like, Security would show up and be like, yo, y'all got to move. Y'all got to get out of this mall. You know what I mean? But yeah. it would be this massive melting pot of artists, like, to this day, who are, like, really huge artists now. But back then, we were all in a melting pot, like, grinding. And- was Hebrew Bentley part of that crew? Or he- is he younger? Hebrew was not only a part of that crew, but this is my childhood. This is my childhood. friend. This is who I grew up with. Word. This is who my last art studio was with in Chicago. So what happens is, is like in, 
like let's go 10 years back what what 21 so let's say 2010 so me and hebrew enter the art world right we're rep by the same gallery lions weird gallery and we had both lions weird lions weird they're here in new york yeah oh yeah that was in harlem no no, 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 no. I know that gallery. Sorry. No, 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 no. You yeah. probably, but they, they're in Chelsea now. At the time, yeah, they, yes, were, yes, yes, yes. they were in Chelsea. They're still, I don't know since the pandemic. Yeah. It's still around. Me and Hebrew, right? We had an art studio together called the Joby at the Joby Art Center mm-hmm. in the south side of Chicago. And we were on the same stuff. You're talking about like trying to figure out how to crack the art world. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, Hebrew was, was, uh, he had initially made contact with Lions Weird Gallery and was, I guess, starting to work with him. I don't, rem- I don't remember that part because me and Hebrew had a studio together, but they were coming to Chicago to do Art Chicago. And, uh, you know, I, I remember like the gallery seeing my work. If you throw a spot, buck, we'll, 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 we'll show you your work. Nice. You know what I mean? And so, I don't think the gallery, I don't think Lionsware Gallery was, or or Hebrew was expecting what happened to happen, but like, or maybe he was, but like, what ended up happening is I ended up being like one of those, one of the, one of the few artists mentioned at this big, you know, our Chicago is when like all the galleries from the world come. Mm-hmm. It's a big event where you have to show up and it's a lot of where up and coming artists are. So, this is how crazy it went for me that so by the second day I got a mention in the Chicago Tribune like, mm-hmm. and the, and um, the writer was like the sole wow of our Chicago artist Christoph Roberts who took these boom and then boom like explosion so now I got the gallery that made me pay five hundred dollars acting like they own me arguing with galleries in Paris that want to take me over to Paris and London. So I was supposed to like a lot of things happen in life, right? So Lions Weird Gallery wrapped me, but I paid to get in that show. But then I ended up selling to one of the biggest collectors in Chicago. Mm. His name's Howard Toolman. And he he picked up a piece. And then the Chicago Board of Trade, where the stocks are being, mm. they purchased a piece for a trading firm called Peak Six. So now you can see like where this is going. Like I, I and Hebrew sold pieces too. And so, were you doing the? Were you doing this? Were you doing oh, these? Are lions right? Or oh, yeah. sorry, these are lions. These are lions. This is the Manza character. Okay, it so, comes in many forms. So I'm, you were doing the Manza character. Yeah, the first thing that got me into the art world. Without even, and this is where I go back to this too, like not even having a, a true understanding of why I was doing it. The first sculpture I built was a line. Okay. It's just the very first one. Out of what? Nike shoebox. Oh, so it was out of Nike shoebox. I'm going to give you the exclusive exclusive. I'm not even, because you're an artist, I think you deserve this. No one's gotten this exclusive one. Okay. How the shoeboxes and everything. So at the time, I was moving plants. I'm going to leave it at that. At the time I was moving, I was moving on the dark side of things with the art world. I was hustling and I had figured out this. You was moving plans? 
Plants. That's, that's some Chicago. Uh, no, no, no. I, knew. I was moving. Basically, I was moving cannabis. You know what okay, I mean? Okay, yeah, Before yeah. Before it oh, was leaves, plants. plants. I was trying okay, to okay, okay. No, herbs, no. whatever yeah, you yeah, want to yeah, call yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You was out here. I was out here. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times as artists, we always find like, side hustles to keep ourselves well, Of course. And, you know, all through college, like, I always, I always saw um, hustling. Trees is like not really nothing yeah, crazy. It's like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Unless like, you got caught, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I did that for a year on the side really? right, of my art career. Even when you was in school? <laughs> Hell yeah. I sold to all the teachers, like everybody. I was like- High was, school or college? College. Wow. Okay. High school, I was dibbling dabbling too. Yeah. But it was like more on like a micro level mm-hmm. of like buying an ounce and then flipping it at my high school. Yeah. And then I got, you know, into college and then started getting a little bit bigger. Let me in, get... in Chicago, you went to school locally? Um, I, so I went to a public school called Ogden. Okay. Then I went to like a, a really hard school to get into like called Francis Park Transfer Public School there. It's funny, me and Hebrew both tried to get into that school along with a bunch of my other friends and I was like the only bad kid they let. Mm. into the school. Bad in the sense of, I don't want to say bad because we were never bad, but this is even fucked up to say, but I was just a minority from a public school coming yeah, yeah, in. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was hard for us to get that type of education, so big up to my moms for putting me in that situation. So I got grabbed out of the group, and then I started going to private school, and then when I graduated from high school, I went to an art school in Seattle. Wow, how was that? Well, okay. I was so much of like just into art and a stoner that one of the main deciding factors on going to Seattle was I remember like not um not like I flunked out of like history class and gym. I had a couple of things that was messing me up a mm-hmm. little bit. I was going a little wild. It's teenager stuff. And I really wasn't gonna go to college. I was really like, you know, I grew, I told you I was a child of hip hop. Yeah, I was same. just like, I'm going from this to the major leagues with mm, music. Okay. And like my art, but like, I was like, oh, that's, so, you know, my teachers talk some sense into me and they're like, you should at least go to Portfolio Day mm-hmm. in Chicago and show them your work. And I went, I went to this Portfolio Day and Parsons gave me love in New York and this other school. Um, called Cornish, but the thing was to me is like I told you, I felt there was a, l- a lot of similarities between New York and Chicago. Mm-hmm. I also felt when I was young, I was like, I already grew up in a major city. Mm. Like, I don't know if I want to go to another major city. I yeah. was like, I want to go just the crazy left. northwest all yeah. the way up there. I visited; it was like the nicest town. It was terrible just, weather. The weather, the weather is kind of like... But you're from Chicago, so from y'all Chicago, used to that, right? So it was bad. Yeah, it was like... I was like, oh, this is nice. The cannabis was amazing. I remember going to visit my college and coming back with like a couple ounces of green back to Chicago. Back in the day, you would like stuff it in your boot, like wrap it to your leg yeah. and you walk through. You know what I mean? Like I used to get that back all the time. But like I came back and I was like, Yo, I'm going to school out there. Like I was like, I'm good. And they didn't have dorms. Mm-hmm. So like at the time, that was so appealing to me. Like I apartment 18, like that's crazy. Were you in when you was in school, were were was it diverse? No. Okay. No, no, no. Seattle wasn't even that diverse. Nothing was like, even when I went to private school, like that school was predominantly white, right? And the the 
the kids of color that had been there had been there since kindergarten, so they didn't really have the textures to it. You know what I mean? Because I don't like to ever say to somebody that they're speaking correct English or they're educated, they're acting white, which was a thing in the 80s and yeah. 90s. That it's still kind of now, but it's, it's just, kinda it's just kind of fading out a little it's bit. It's kind of fading now, but it's, it, I think it's faded out drastically from where it was when I was a teenager. No, for sure, you for sure. Show, you show one thing that, mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, you being white. You yeah, all. yeah. So, you know, um, yeah, it was it was definitely like, but that was, that was what brought me growth, I think, is just like a person. It made me so well-rounded being able to be in any type of room, like, you could put me in central bookings in New York or you could put me in a board meeting and I'm going to be my same, the same person everywhere and it's going to make sense. Well, I, it says a lot about you and it's interesting that you made that decision at such an early age of uh, leaving uh, Chicago and go, like, yeah, you didn't go to New York, even though like, you you know, I would think that you would come to New York because know, like you said, it's the I Mecca and all of that, Mecca. right? I'm watching it from afar. And so that I... decision was, is very interesting because it's just like you, sounds like at an early age, you lean into uh, stepping outside of your comfort zone. So, yeah. so that's, that's really dope. I believe that's the only way to be successful. I always tell people that. Yeah. You can't be comfortable. Like, maybe you get comfortable at a certain position. Yeah. You can't, like, if you get comfortable, that's when you just get stuck in your ways. Pretty much. So, how was Kristoff at 10 years old? 10 years old, Kristoff was a crazy art maniac. Like, you couldn't take me out of a sketchbook or, um, uh, art program or life drawing sessions. Like my mom used to let my neighbor take me to her life drawing painting classes before I was at even 10? 10. So you were seeing I, like naked people and stuff? Well, they were doing figures and like vegetables and things like that, like still life. Yeah. Clove figures. But I would always be in the class with my neighbor, bless her heart. That's why I'd be like trying to always help out the youth. I met so many people that would do cool stuff like that with me when I was young. That's dope. That would take me under their wing, like graffiti. Just different types of people walk of life. But yeah, she was my neighbor. And so I was painting early, like, like, like mixing colors and um like really figuring that out. I had a real gift for like drawing. Yeah. Being able to draw like comic books. I was really mm-hmm. heavily into like um like. 10, I'm in, like, this is when Dark Image Comics is coming out. This is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like, and I'm, like, I'm I'm drawing all the Marvel stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm, like, really into, like, Todd McFarlane and, like. Were you reading the books, the, the comics? Because I, at 10, I was not reading the comic books. I was just mimicking yeah. um, what I saw on the pages. You know, it was funny because me me and Hebrew, we went to kindergarten together. And, and Wow, and y'all go that way oh, back. No, no, no. We're all the way back. All the way back. And so we would have drawing competitions in elementary school, me yeah. and him. And we would make money off of all the kids, like giving us money to do these contests and so forth. But to tell you the truth, I wasn't the reader. Like Hebrew was really into reading about the storylines. I was really into like drawing, like. Going crazy with just the images we'd have in these contests, um, but that's funny. Like that, that definitely has a strong influence on on uh, me now. Like I don't show a lot of my illustrations just publicly. But yeah, I love drawing. I love I love illustration. That's all I did at that age. I mean, that's all I did 
all my life was always draw and drawing from comics. Right. Well, besides comics, just all my notebooks had doodles. Right. Um, in elementary school, uh, they used to take me out of um, my class, and there was like a once-a-week program that um, we would go draw. Okay. Right? So, you know, it was being it was being kind of um, harnessed back then. You know, right. like it's, it's, it's weird because it's one of those things where I was not the best student, but this was my gift, and I was able to draw. Isn't that crazy? It's like, I feel like we all have similar stories like that. You know, in terms of like, that 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 feeling of drawing and taking you escaping escaping yeah reality but also too being the ultimate teaching device because that's all i used to do is just draw mm -hmm. from a comic page i would draw from a comic page and also um the 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 graffiti in the neighborhood was mm -hmm. i was just so blown away by it all the time you know because this is the 80s like early Bro, 80s. like how was that the 80s in your neighborhood it was incredible because it was just like being a child of an immigrant is firstborn generation right so uh at home it's dominican republic but when i stepped outside it was like 1980s <laughs> new york city hip-hop so it's like Damn. break dancing in front of the building and the cardboard boxes and like the dudes the b-boys and all of that so it was just like as a kid it was just so visual eye candy like i was just like oh my god i was just always so you know engaged you know like uh so and then i had an older brother and like they had the 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 peace books the black books yeah and they were just filled and i was just like be sure. looking through it and the thing is the funny thing about that is that i've always wanted a black book it took me it wasn't until maybe i turned 20 and like in the early 20s uh my, my age where i didn't know that you could just get that at an art store <laughs> So, you thought it had to be like I, I don't know given handed the down black books, like, from the ultimate b boy like you have been yeah honored like, you know it was, so I'm like always my art books were like the, the <laughs> com composition notebooks right you know what oh I'm snap yeah that's funny yeah. yeah it's like yeah that's why I like that's why I have a funny story about that too just like I remember there when I was in like 13 or something this graffiti artist had lent me his um, sketchbook. And I purposely pretended like I lost it as a kid. Oh, wow. Just so I could like trace it forever. Damn. I Damn. feel so bad about yeah. that too. But like it probably has some real gems in there. Bro, that that influenced like a lot of my style too. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It was like I remember he did this sketch of this like black dude breaking down the buildings like um gorilla like King Kong or something. Mm, yeah. And the dude was like screaming at and I just like loved like that expression. It stuck with me forever. The roar. The roar. I got this done at my boy's um crib and I was 16. So like wow. this roar, you see him going like yeah, this? yeah, yeah. I never like no one can tell me that I took it from like yeah. this is the evidence right here. Yeah, like I always because as an adolescent, like I had a lot of rage. Mm. And I was fighting a lot with my parents mm -hmm. and like just like just misunderstandings yeah. as a teenager and just running around like this is what the kids don't understand now. And I'm gonna sound like an OG and I'm cool with that, but I've accepted it. And what I love about it is that during our growing up, like you said, you had to go outside. I had to go to the corn. I had to go to that park. I had to go see KRS-One Boom Bap Rap, like, yeah. live to soak up what that album meant. 
now this is a whole nother level of interaction from a screen, but like and it's not the same, but not, not for anything. Same. I mean, I don't think I, at the end of the day, I, it, you know, it's not about. It's just it's not the same because one hip hop was not so accessible back then, yeah. right? So like when you said, you know, you you, you go to that. That's fifty first, and it's like a hundred kids there, right? Yeah. And probably people are just rapping, people are just tagging in their notebooks. It's like you're congregating and and expressing hip hop, and battling, and too. battling. You know, it's all of that, right? Like just like here in New York City, where a lot of people went to um, Washington Square Park, right? Right, and you hear about like as far as rap, like most staff and them people being there, right? And there was like the whole in the eighties the concept of the writers bench, right? right? Where where graffiti writers were would just congregate and just like tag on each other's notebooks. Yeah, yeah. So it, it it's it's a different experience, and and I don't see. I think I think what happens is like there there's something that's lost. Yeah. But so the some of the creative kids now they just on another level, but it's not that many though. Right. It's like that because I don't know. I, I to me, it's just like I don't think a lot of young kids really take advantage of the um, technology that they have. Because think about it, yo, when you were 17, 16, and the, the technology that existed now, right? Like, <laughs> oh my god! But then it's like it's a. I think it's a whole nother thing too when you grow up and it's, it's so many digital tools accessible. Yeah, it almost becomes like overwhelming too. Mm-hmm. you know what i mean because yeah. ours was limited and we got kind of piecemealed into it yeah but they wake up and they just in the world the matrix having a light all right this i think this that I'll yeah but it's just like how many of those people are actually creating as, as opposed to just kind of like in just like zombied out zombied like, out yeah. you know what i'm saying like i was talking about my niece about that like you know, I you know she's just getting into college, but that was like a rude awakening for me. Like just seeing how much she needed to be in her in in any type of digital screen, how she was waking up, how she was going to sleep. Yeah, you know, I catch myself doing it too sometimes. I'm like, yo, you need to turn this off. Oh yeah, I I when I go to sleep, I leave my my phone in the living room. Do you really? Yeah, I never. I don't. I don't have the phone next to me. I sleep with it next to me like a baby. <laughs> nah, not me. That's stupid. Mm-mm. I need to chill. No, because it's just like, I don't know. It's just, I don't, when I'm tired, I'm tired. I just go to, I don't, the thing is, I don't like to be laying in bed. So whenever I'm up, I'm up, I get up. I don't, I don't. How late do you stay up though? I, I'm not an early bird person. I go to sleep at 10, 30, 11. Right. Yeah. And you wake up what time? Uh, around 7, 7.30. Okay. Yeah. Just naturally. Right. Yeah. Naturally 7.30, going to sleep at 10.30. 10, 30, 11. Depends. Yeah. I, you know, I get high every morning, yeah. to to, every night to go to sleep. <laughs> it's like, all right, it's time for me to go to sleep. So how does um, inspiration show up for you? So like really break down to me, even before, I mean, well, tell me that because I also just want to know how you got into the lion. Right. But just how does inspiration show up for you? You know, what, what are you doing? What can you be doing? Like, just on a on a on a just on a normal day, like when when that shit when inspiration strikes, where you and what I mean by inspiration is that shit that that energy yeah. that you're fucking excited by this new idea that came to you, right? How I, does that show up for you? I like I work strenuous hours in my head like crazy. Like I work on projects like almost till they're done in my head, and then I start replicating it in real life. 
And I love working like that because it's like no one can bother the idea or what I'm doing. Do the same thing. And I work through it so I work through it so good. By the time you see it physically, I'm prepared for like whatever type of pushback or whatever. Why are you doing like, you know what I mean? I'm working in and out of the idea. And a lot of my things come from problem solving. Yes. Like a lot of my inspiration comes from problem solving. Like I, you, you asked how did the sculpture start mm-hmm. or, or even the line or how did that come about? Well, I, as a child had a natural um, att- attraction or gift for paper, like playing with paper, folding and making sculptures out of it okay. early. early. I would take early, take paper plates out of the kitchen. I would flip them and make all these spaceships and different things. Now I was influenced at the time as a child, Everything we're talking about, comic books, mm-hmm. um, all those really good late 80, 90s movies. I grew up on Akira, like my yeah. my babysitter would play that for me because he was in the animations. Mm-hmm. So, so early on, a lot of the anime, sci-fi, comic book artists, Jim Lee, Todd Lee, Phil, Todd McFarlane, all those guys, Geiger from Alien, like all those type of, those people were- and then, and then African art, too, because the family had so much of it in their house. So I was, like, subconsciously seeing that, too. So, that, like so that's the family the, that you would go and, um, and take lessons? Well, just my, my mom's sister, Your mom's Roya, uh-huh. she was a very poignant person in, in our world in mm-hmm. terms of, like, um, she ran a lot of the inner city programs. And she also um, taught art. And she also... Did a lot of fashion for some made Miles Davis. She worked on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like she worked on behind the scenes, like a lot of seamstress work and things like that. So um, that melting pot of things kind of influenced the style that would come out later, I'd have to say. Yeah. That progressed. But how I was mentioning like just things out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, the technique of upcycling waste came from me having so much waste in my place Mm. when I was being, you know, you know, talking about the herbs and moving Mm -hmm. around and just buying an excess of sneakers, like Mm. beyond sneakers, right? So I had this this little apartment with like 80 pairs in there kind of stacked all in boxes. And I decided to organize everything and flatten all the boxes. When I flattened all the boxes, I had them in a pile. I, I like turned around to look at this pile of boxes, and I was, and you know, the art brain went off, and it was yeah. like, I looked at them and it had a little volume to them, and I was like, yo, I'm not gonna throw these out. Like these are, this is the most expensive paper I ever seen. Like let me flatten this out and take this to me. This is the the studio I'm telling you about, Ebro. I'm like, let me yeah. take this back to our studio, and like let me figure out what I'm gonna do with it. So first I'm like, man, I'm going to spray this on some boards. I'm going to glue them to the board. I'm going to do paintings on top. Okay. So you use it like a canvas almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I went to like, sculpture is my thing. I've been doing sculpture, you know, my whole life. I, I don't know if I've been really touching on that too much, but you know, I studied that in school. And um, so that was like your, when, when 
when you went to school, college, that was the your focus was sculpture mainly? No. Okay. So I barely graduated because my focus was illustration. Okay. But I took everything. Okay. I did everything. Yeah. Welding, mm. web. I went to school in Europe. I studied painting out there. You I went was, to school in Europe. Went to school in Europe. For how, like what? Like a semester or something? I was out there for like a year. I went to Oxford Brooks College. It's an art school out there. It was a big university that had a cool art program. Mm-hmm. So I went out there and studied out under a German instructor. And I was doing landscapes. And I was painting landscapes. Like, if you saw that work, you'd be like, I don't even understand like how yeah. that even is in the whole journey. But that was, a, that was a part. I used to be really in the landscapes, like large scale, like big brush stroke. Like, I just had so many faces yeah, yeah. moving around. Yeah. Now, this is the phase where I'm exploring in college. And I'm like, really, like just absorbing everything and going any direction, not really understanding myself still. Now I've let the, I've left the whole, you know, comic book, illustrative stuff. I've left that behind. Now I'm like messing with the fine art and landscapes Mm -hmm. and and looking at. You was on your Bob Ross. Yeah. I was on my, I was on my, my Bob Ross. I was on my just fine art tip heavy. And then especially going over there and really getting to see, um, the artists that I've been seeing in history books and studying like in person and seeing, you know, the cliche, you know, the Van Gogh's, mm-hmm. the, the, uh, what's the dollies, the, uh, the dolly stuff is just incredible. Oh my though. God. The dolly stuff in person changed my life too, man. It was like, I was like, yo, this <laughs> is the, the most crazy, surreal, like, but there was this, also this artist that I wanted to talk about real quick. His name was Mr. I. Okay. Um, he he passed away, but he was a Chicago artist that made sculptures out of bottle caps, mm. right? And like, um, it was crazy. This guy Mark Levy, who was like a family friend, part of this powerful, like, really established powerhouse that's still in Chicago, who kind of took me under his wing when I was going to high school at that public school, started taking me to artist studios in high school, and I remember him taking me to see Mister I. Mr. I's whole crib is covered in bottle caps. Like the chairs, the, everything is covered in these ornamental African style. Like, mm-hmm. And now I look back now because I have to put all these pieces together. And I'm like, you know, where did you get this, this idea to take waste yeah. and, and, and turn it into, you know, your own narrative? And I got it from my people. I got it from seeing those. African masks, shells all over them. I got them from seeing Mr. I. I got them. So I was just like a modern interpretation of that. And I always love creatures and animals. Like sometimes I sit and think about this because in the art world, sometimes you have to work into these really deep layers, contextual conversations about mm-hmm. the meaning of the work. But the kid in me brought the animals out, right? And the animals always felt like a representation of myself. I always felt like I was the animal. Okay. And there was this inner this inner voice that needed to come out and needed to be on the right platform. And so when I look back at the whole thing, it's as simple as growing up in the concrete jungle, trying to survive and chase your dreams. Like that's, you know, you got to become an animal within yourself, even everything you do every day. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, you got to channel into like, you know, what's the ferociousness, what's the like energy levels you need to have to really be focused. It's pushing through. It's, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause it's so, it's so easy to kind of give up. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, and you're tired and and all of that, but it's just like, 
you step out and look at the bigger picture and it's just like, yo, nah, like at the end of the day, this is what I want to do. Like I'm happy with being able to just create, man, like to, to, I have an idea and then just, and here it is. Exactly. You know? So just going back to, again, the, the lion and when you was at the studio with Hebrew, like how long did that first piece take you? And like, how did that come about? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Cause it's just like, I don't even know how you would start thinking about this. Like it's, it's insane. Like, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> yeah. Like how that happened though. I think, you know, I was, I really like had to engage with so many African masks growing up mm. because my aunt, right. She ran all the, the, um, you know, like the block, like the festival joints with the music. You have a bunch of African merchants. Yes, 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 yes. All their they have that in Harlem. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. All the dresses mm-hmm. and, the, the, and all that stuff. I was always playing around. You were just playing around with it and taking a look at it. Well, always around it, though, because I was always behind the scenes with Mm -hmm. my my aunt and her uncle and um, not her uncle, my aunt and her man. She had different boyfriends and things like that. But my uncle Daryl and and them and, and, and seeing always around those masks, I think subconsciously jumped into my head. It was just there. Right. And um. I just, between that and, you know what I, I attribute to it too? Remember, um, Dar- do you remember Dark Image Comics with the Max and like Spawn and all those? Spawn, yes. Spawn. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you remember, there was a lot of characters in there that were like, like mm. screaming and like making these like roaring lights. So I think that was subconsciously trapped in my head just from comic books and then my fascination with animals and the child just and creatures and aliens and things like I always was in the character design. Right? Yeah. A character that had certain powers, strengths or things like that. Um, and then there's a part of my life where I'm, I'm, you know, in the Rastafarianism and I grew dreadlocks mm. and, you know, the Lion of Judah and like. Are you a Leo? My mother is. Okay. So then there's that too. Mm-hmm. My screaming Leo mom, who was like, <laughs> "Oh, I was always coming home getting screamed yeah. at." It all makes sense subconsciously how I just did it without understanding why I did it. I always loved the animal and what it represented mm-hmm. because I was always trying to make. I want to make it. You know what I mean? Like, like you talking about like to me making it was having the ability to like just do what you want. Yeah, out of your mind. Yeah. Like, creatively so with all those things and that that melting pot and my attraction to like angular forms and like just low poly things and i think that might even been from like 8-bit video games and things like that back Mm. in the day so you know naturally i just created this line i I just wanted to create this powerful iconic moment with the lion out of the out of the box out of the sneaker box out of the sneaker boxes and at the time lebron wasn't out or nobody like there was no there was no lion performance mark out at the time you know i, I pulled it from just you know african culture african arts and just seeing it replicated so so many times in 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 rastafarianism and and, and the identity and what the lion represents is God. You know what I mean? Mm. I just always, 
you know, the I went king through. of the jungle. Yeah, king of jungle, just fearless, relentless, in control. You know, the voice. You know, and just just the demeanor of them. I've always been like, kind of attracted to that focus. Like, it's like because I'm always calm and collective, right? Yeah. But I have that energy, but I'm very calm. And I feel like that's why I love lions so much because they if you see a lion they don't, it's not roaring and doing something it's, it's so casual yes yeah, and then like in a second it could let you know what it yeah. could be but it's like it's so casual and relaxed and just kind of calmly assessing like whatever it needs to assess and like that's kind of my demeanor like i i take the roar and the energy and i put that into the work and like i just really i really have hung on to that because as I told you, like the journey of becoming an artist is 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 painful too, and it's like I had to be that lion to really make it this far to what you see now. So when um, so obviously it's interesting that you say that you work things out in your head because I do the same thing. Like yeah. whenever I have an idea, like I'll be watching television or whatever, and it's just like I'll be just like it's almost <laughs> like it's like Illustrator or Photoshop, and then when I, <laughs> and then when I sit down, you know. But um, what is the next steps after like, all right, like when you're ready, right. you know, like what are your rituals when you come into your studio and you're ready and you already have that finalized in your head? Yeah. So um, what I'll do oftentimes is when I have the idea, I've worked through it in my head, I'll come into the space. And at this point, I'll start either sketching or pulling imagery. I'm mm -hmm. really big on mood boards. And I, okay. I don't know if you've noticed in my studio, I have boards everywhere to pin images. Okay. So if you see me at the beginning of any idea, you'll see pinups of all different types of images mm. kind of like based around whatever that idea is. Um, then from there, like, it sometimes can start from the image or it can start from some rough sketches yeah. that I just have kind of planned out. Now, depending upon the route and where I'm going with it will determine, like, what process I'm going to use. I have different processes for everything. So if it's a sculpture and I'm trying to figure out how to create it from paper, I'm going to start with scraps and different things that are around and kind of roughly build it, kind of tape it together, and then figure it out from that point. But sometimes even with the sculpture work, I self-taught myself in 3D because I felt like when I moved to New York, I wasn't going to have the the studio I have now to actually build the sculptures I wanted to build. So I started teaching myself 3D so I could like really do sculptures on my lap. They were whatever size, 10 feet, 20 feet. You know, I'm doing a sculpture for Tupac, a commission for Tupac right now. And it's like a 10 foot sculpture that was literally conceptualized on a very, you know, from a sketch to a very, very small screen. To, yeah to a production team that's helping build out that vision. So, like, it just depends, you know. Like, I told you right now, like, I run, like, a conglomerate, like a collective now. I have tons of, of carpentry workers, painters, artists, illustrators, people that work under my company now that bring these bigger visions to life. So, explain to me the 3D thing where... I mean, it kind of makes sense where it's just like, let's say if you don't have the space right. and, you're, and you're in this 3D modeling thing, it allows you to play with the shapes so that when you go and work on it physically, it you is. know how to cut the shapes and stuff like that? Is it, that is that it, what you mean? Yeah. Well, that, I mean, one aspect of it? One aspect, I mean, one aspect of it is this, like, and it's really hard to explain. Like, all right, this is a hard surface sculpture we're in front of that's made from resin and other materials. And then I have my 
upcycled sculptures that I'm known for that are made out of paper, cardboard, right? So, like, I can build a whole sculpture in 3D, send it to an industrial size seven access robot arm or 3D printer. It can be 3D printed, then brought back to my studio for me to work on it by hand. Okay. Or I can work on it flat, figure out the plans, like the Manza DIY. Yeah. Figure that out from my artwork. And then send that over to my industrial laser that's in the other room. And the laser will cut out the patterns out of the Mm. paper, right? And I can test it out that way. Or I can physically build it just from scratch, just looking at sketches, right? Because that's where I started. Now, you got to think, before all the technology, before Manza Studios, all these things were done via no computer. My 10-foot, 20-foot sculptures were all done by hand, tape, glue, staple. So and a blade. I, yeah, and I say this to tell people that. Like, I wouldn't be able to be working with these outlets and these digital platforms if I hadn't had to, like, get it out the mud first. Yeah. Like, that, like, don't get it twisted. I don't want nobody to get this twisted. Like, I got it out the mud first. Then, yeah, you, later in my life, you, like... <laughs> you're, working, you're working smarter now, not I'm working harder. Working smarter now, yeah. yeah like, so, but, like, yeah, I have, like, like I'm, that's the evolution of Christoph. But, like, in the very beginning, man, it always, and I tell all creatives this, like, it's so important to start with a sketch. Yeah. Something. Like, even if it looks like chicken scratch. It'll pay off in the long run. I like to, and that's why I'm so like hyped on that the procreate. Like, yeah, it's amazing. Oh my life changing. Life, but I wish they would make it like ill. Like, if why won't Adobe Illustrator buy Procreate? Adobe Take, has a version, but Fres- Fresco is whack though. I don't like it at all. It don't work like Procreate. <laughs> no, it doesn't work because they have all these like, all the brushes and everything. Yeah, right. Like it's the brushes about, but it's about, not a vector, is it? The Fresco, yes. Fresco. So Fresco is a combination of Photoshop and Illustrator together. So there's a brush that is just vector. But it, it works like Procreate? Yeah. No. Like the way you sketch on it. Yeah. And it's going to save it as a vector. Dude, so you it, it, you send it from your... It, you, could send, you could open up your file... Um, from there, like you send it to your to your illustrator, and it opens to, up. So, like, cause cause I tried to get it. I got the illustrator on iPad. I hated it. No, so Fresco, cause there's also there's also Draw, but Fresco is a new one. It's a combination of both. It's Photoshop and Illustrator. You like it? It's great. I just still love. Um, I just still love Procreate. Okay, why do you like Procreate still better? Because of the all the different brushes. Fresco doesn't have the different brushes. Like you could go and buy f- brushes that people make or whatever, just for different. Um, yeah, for different applications. D- different applications, but Fresco, I don't use as much. But but there's a there's there's a there's a brush that is it's it, it's literally vector. So when you open it, that that stroke is a vector stroke. And it's continuous. No, it's not continuous. But all you got to do is, like, if you're sketching something and it's all black, all you do is select the whole thing and then 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 combine it, and that's it. Right. Yeah, but it has... The problem know, with Procreate, right, is, like, you get, you get something dope, and then you're like, I need to vectorize it. You need to vectorize it, yeah. That's why I wish, like, Illustrator would buy Procreate and just change Procreate into Vector. It's funny. So what were you... So, like, yesterday I actually saw a uh, a YouTube of this guy um, drawing a T-shirt and and making it 
ready for printing, right? So like screen printing, so to burn a screen or whatever. And he and it was dope. Like there, you know, the what the the steps that he he showed just makes things like um, it, it. It's hard to explain, but you have yeah. to look at it because you know sometimes if you, in in clothing or whatever, you might want to draw something and make it look like it's like if it's a pencil, whatever, but because of the grayscales and stuff like that, but he managed to create something. He, well, he said, if you're going to print, if you're going to make a t-shirt and you know, and you, he has his film that's 13 by 19 work on that size, right? Draw, draw. Uh, and he, and he, uh, there was just like little tricks. I'll send it to you. Right, I'll yeah. send it to you. It, it's amazing. But for, just look into fresco. But yeah, I mean, I, I, Procreate is incredible. Procreate is incredible. The yeah, flow yeah. of it is what I can't get away from. Yeah. But but I was getting to the point of just like that's has changed the game for me in terms of drawing more, like sketching more. Like now I sketch a million times back to the old days, like when I used to sketch a lot. I, I got away from that because of demand and time. And like start jumping straight to the computer to get the idea done. Yeah. It's like it's just a blessing to have that thing and be able to sit in a park for an hour. I, it's and funny. Sit over here and do, you know what I mean? No, I definitely like, um, especially last year, I really was using um, it more than I ever did. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, because we was in the pandemic or whatever. So it was just like, I was just going back to the basics, right? Because it's staying in front of the computer for such a long time. You know what I'm saying? Like, that yeah oh the, you know like it's being in front of the computer but you're you're it's just it's just even when i worked in fashion i wish that that was out like 10 yeah, years, 10 oh years ago God. like it would have saved if that so was much time. out in college like that's the type of stuff i'd be like jealous of that the young kids have i'm like yo do you know what type of i would be doing in high school if if this was in my lap brah what do you listen to music when you create Hell yeah! What 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 are you what are you listening to? Griselda. <laughs> I'm a '90s baby, so when they came back out, I was like, delete everything. Really? Griselda, yes. I'm listening to. That's funny. I love I love um I love their movement. I love the textures of their sound, but like, don't get it twisted. Like, I listen to everything. Like, I I listen to. I like to listen to like a lot of like old school stuff. Like I like to listen to a lot of soul. I'll even I'll throw on some Frank sometimes, mm. like Sinatra. I'll throw on some. It just depends on what mood I'm in. I Sean Paul might even jump into the mix. Like yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like it just it just depends on like what I'm like trying to get into yeah. mood wise. But I say most of the time. I'm flipping from dance hall to hip hop to like some Solange or like mm. Blue or Jay Dilla. Yeah. But then I'll be on some young yo money bag and like some crazy like trap shit. But most of the time for me, the best type of like thinking music for me is stuff that's like nostalgic to like my upbringing. Yeah. Or like my, sure. what my parents was playing. Yeah. Or like what I grew up listening to in the 90s. Were you listening to house music? Because, you know, they say sh Chicago invented house music, which... I'm not on my own. It was just everywhere. Mm. But, like, no, I wasn't, like, a big house person. No? I was I was really more, like, I'm telling you, like, I'm a child of hip-hop. I can't yeah. even front on that. 
Um, but I like L. Michael's affair, like, you know what I mean? Like salons. Like I'll yeah, get yeah, into salon. stuff like that for just like calm working. But like if I'm hyped, man, I want to hear some. You want to hear some brrr, whatever yeah. it is that they're doing? <laughs> the sound effects. <laughs> boop, boop, boop. Yeah, exactly. Boop, boop. The West Side came to my art show at the compound. And uh, the compound's in the Bronx. In the Bronx, yeah. You ever shown there? No. Yeah, I, th- I would have thought you'd shown there. Yeah. I don't know anybody, man. I don't believe you. Can you explain that to me? All you know is beautiful women and like no, no. I mean, look, there's people that I know and there's people that I don't, and it's just like, and I'm not, you know, I'm not a. By nature, I'm I'm pretty shy sometimes. Yeah. So it's just like if I'm gonna go, like I've been to the compound. I went to when um what's his name um Jonathan Mannion had the show. Right. And but I'm just there, man. Like I'm not here there talking to like I don't want to be that person that oh yo I do art and this or whatever blah blah like why I not just, though. Well, not even like how you did that voice, but yeah, like yeah, yeah. just because like I feel like if Set, if you had talked to Set and he had known you were who's there, Seth? the guy who owns it, Set for yeah, like the bald guy, yeah. People think I'm him <laughs> when I have my beard. When I have my beard, people either think I'm him yeah. or Coach K. When I had like my beard, that's that was longer. crazy. They like literally, cloudy. somebody when I was in LA one day, somebody was like, "Yo, you Coach K?" I'm like, "No, yeah, like, I'm not even, I don't even know who that is." Yo, like, I used to be on the scent. Like, you know what I learned, too, like, is how to work the room. I worked, like, I went to the Michelle Obama, um, mm. uh, Obama, like, viewing of yeah. those works by Amy in, uh. In, in a Brooklyn Museum? Yeah, kinda. Yeah. And I I got an NY Mag interview coming out. Oh, wow, that's fire. There, just from, like, talking and moving around the room because that's. To me, like, I've gotten the illest. You know how I got the art show at Compound? Oh. I was at, um, you know that room, the standard, that's, like, above, uh, you know, the standard hotel, the yeah, rooftop. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you know how they LeBain? have the LeBang. Uh-huh. I was at LeBang one night. And I run, this is why I love New York. And I run into somebody. I f- I'm trying to remember. God forbid someone listens to this podcast and I forget. But anyways, someone introduces me. Brings me over to the this this corner area where mm-hmm. there's a couple people popping bottles and stuff. Like, yo, you gotta meet so and so. And like, they were doing an art show for the NBA. I got introduced, and then mm. I got into that show that way for the NBA. That was just off the street conversating. Yeah, um, I've gotten. That's why I love New York. That's why I moved here because everything here to me is built off a of conversation. Because you got to think, I came here with twelve hundred dollars living in my cousin's couch on 132nd at Linux. You know, I had to hustle from there back up to this. Because when I came to New York, I had, in a way, had lost everything. I had gotten into this terrible car accident mm. where I almost died in that joint. And then my crib had gotten broken into for over the drug stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? And then, like, my, a couple of my friends got arrested. It was the end. It was like, I was at the crossroads. And, but the funny thing is, High Fructose Magazine hit me up to do mm, an interview on my art. Yeah. I got a crazy story I have to share with you that's fucked up with the art world. <laughs> so, my boy's like, yo, I'm sitting in this shitty studio apartment in kind of like a terrible block uh, in in Pilsen in Chicago. And I had gone all the way back down to square one. Me and Hebrew still had the studio, but the car accident 
kind of took me off my rhythm. And at that point, he had kind of like taken advantage of like me not being there, like pushed all my shit to the corner and took over the whole studio and went off. And then I was like, this is when we split. And like, so at that point, the cars and I'm sitting in my crib and I'm like, would you rather have the High Fruit Tills magazine come out in Chicago or you being in New York? Mm. And that's when I took my last bit of money. I even had to borrow some money from my family to get out here. And I came out with nothing though, like 1500 plus whatever I borrowed. But that was for my storage unit in the Bronx and all that. But I had to work all the way up from that, which was just crazy experience. You know what I mean? Showing up in Harlem. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because it's just like, because I'm born and raised here, yeah, it was just like there's there's a thing about me that that I haven't developed as far as like being the kind of person that goes into a space. I, like I don't mind oh, going, right. I don't mind going to play anywhere by myself. I don't really care. Like I travel by myself and stuff like that. It's funny because when I'm when I if I go to Europe or whatever, I'm more I'm more uh, willing to try to have a conversation with a uh, with a stranger as opposed to here in New York. When I'm here in New York, it's just like I'm just that typical New Yorker. Like that, right. yeah, you know what I'm saying. And then on yeah, top of that, like exactly. I could be. It's not even about being antisocial. I could talk. The thing is, I don't know what to talk to people about. Right. If I don't know you, I don't like. I have a dark sense of humor. Right. I don't know if you're into hip hop and the shit that I'm yeah, into. Right. So it's like the small talk is I don't do that well, yeah. right? I'm not into sports. I'm not gonna talk to like what the fuck I'm gonna talk to people <laughs> about. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of playing the cut, just being the cut. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And, and observing everything, right? You know what I'm saying? So and that's the thing. That's the thing about. Um, Art in general is like that's the cross. Like some artists can do that, are good at, at at doing that, and some aren't. But it doesn't mean that, like you know what I mean. Maybe like then you need to have other people. <laughs> oh so no, that ass, that ass because representation. I, dude, like I hate PR, like all that. Which yo, I stay away from. When I'm in, if I'm with somebody and they're like, and we, we just met somebody and they're like, oh yeah, Tony, he's an artist, or whatever. T- tell them I'm like. Yo, I'm nobody. Like, I don't want to talk about myself. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I just find that so... I do don't like that, too. When you get introduced as, like, yeah. a thing. Like, he's a great... Oh, he's a great artist. And I'm telling it's just like... And I'm like, I just fucking do art. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. I don't I don't want to be here selling myself, you know? But I, I see how that can... I see how that stuff could, you know, work in my favor and stuff like that. And honestly, like, I, I try my best, but, you know... I haven't shit. I haven't even gone to gallery shows and stuff like that in such a long time because I'm well, just with COVID, too. with COVID and just kind of like I don't know, man. I, I just be tired. Like yeah. I, it's just like my brain. I just do a lot of work. You know how it is, man. Yeah, you know what I, I'm saying. So I it's completely, like it's work. It's work. Yeah, it's work. It's enjoyable work, but every time I have to go to those situations, right, where I'm going to like a Whitney opening or whatever. It's work for me, but I know it's going to pay off in the long run because yeah. every time I go do those things, I make a new connection, new job, a new... I mean, like, everything has come from that. Like, art shows, being in the right place at the right time, meeting. Because you know what I figured out about the art world, too, that's crazy? It's really just about connections. Yeah, for sure. It literally is. Yeah. Like, you'd be amazed at some of the conversations I've had that have been over the most serious things, but because, like, I know so-and-so is, like, 
so another thing I, I would like to know uh, when you when you create and you're making work, like once you're done, how do you feel after you're done? Um, like how do you you know like for instance, I don't know if you go through this, but when you're working like working towards a show, um, you know you're so caught up in working and 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 creating the work, and then opening day comes or whatever, and it's like the next day I just kind of depressed. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of crazy. It's like, because it's such build up to the moment. Mm -hmm. I think, too, like most of the time, I'm so sleep deprived by the time that whatever comes around, you that out. I'm just like, I need to like, I'd be so excited to be, do like normal human shit. Like, mm. I'd be like, I'm like, today I'm just going to like have one day, 24 hours to just aimlessly be in New York Oh, maybe I'm gonna go. I'll go see so and so. I'll mm -hmm. I'll go over there. I think I have the type of brain that like it's always racing to the next thing I gotta mm. do, and that's what I'm trying to work on enjoying the moment. Yeah, I am terrible at enjoying the moment. I have to have people forcibly tell me to enjoy the moment. They're like, "Yo, you like? Do you know what you did? Like, I don't realize that stuff until someone tells me. If they don't tell me." And I've been kind of mad at having this type of brain, um, but it's paid off in the long run. But I have the type of brain, almost, I'm not saying I'm Kobe Bryant, but almost like a Kobe mind where it's like that mama mentality where it's like, what's next? Like, I got to, what's next? This is, okay, this is great. Now I want to build 20-foot versions of this, turn it into this move. And then my brain starts trying to figure out that next action. Yeah. And I think I'm going to be like that for for the rest of my life. And I'm just starting to, I'm starting to learn that I just need to build around that type of brain and I'm going to be happier. And that's what I'm doing. Like keep, keep expanding the studio, keep hiring yeah. all the personalities to catch these ideas and execute them for me. It's interesting because like sitting here and listening to you is just, it's this thing where talking to different artists and it's the reason why I, I want to do this podcast. So it's just, genius. No, but it's like listening to you makes me, makes me feel like I don't do enough. Right. Like, like <laughs> I, I made this um, analogy the other day to somebody, you know how like they have like those ultra detergents, like they, they eliminated like the big bottles and there's like the small detergent and all you need is a couple of drops and it just, and it does all the work. Like that's me. <laughs> you know that's a funny ass analogy. Yeah, because it's just like my shit is concentrated, right? So it's like, yo, I'll, I am, you know, you like, the, you know what you need to do. I know. Yeah. I do what I need to do. And it's just like, and then I just be tired and I don't be doing shit. I get so motivated with stuff. And then it's just like, and then I don't do it. Like I'll get depressed. Like I'll get like slightly depressed and just not. Let and, me ask and, you it's, question, and it's just no. constantly like pushing through like, no, this thing I have to do. Do you meditate? I, I, I was meditating, but uh, I need to, because I'm a fucking procrastinator and lazy. Right. I, when I wake up, And it's funny because I was doing it for like a couple of months straight and then I just kind of stopped. So then it's just right. like when I wake up now and I want to do it in the morning, I'm just so tired. Like I just need time to wake up, but it's, I right. should be jumping into the. Yeah, I think that's I think what you just said to me yeah. is like, well, how I counteract that. And I, I'll tell everybody on this microphone, like I have a psychologist. I'm, oh yeah, yeah, I totally. I'm crazy. I done, so I, I done, need I need someone therapy for sure. Yeah, so therapy and, and meditation and just and just also physical activity for me. Like I'm a major like runner. Running has been running has been my like 
release of all releases. Like in terms of this life, yeah, because I can never get away, but I can get away if I'm running. It's funny because running, so running for me is what it represents. Because I don't like it, but I've, I've, you could say I've become a runner. Is I just feel good that uh, I accomplished it. Right. I accomplished something that's out of my comfort zone. So every time I finish, if it's two, three, four miles or whatever, it's just like, oh, like I'm happy that I got to do this because prior to that, in my head, I'm like, no, oh, Tony, you didn't need to go run. And like, yeah, you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, one of the biggest issues for me is it's self self motivation is a very hard thing. It's hard. It's a very hard. Well, this thing. life. And is I admire hard. people that 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 have that. It's hard. It's forced someday. Yeah. Though. It's not natural. Yeah. Like I feel. The only difference is, is like when I have that coming, I kind of like, it's like almost like a gym workout for me. Mm. Like, man, I don't feel like I just forcibly get here at a set time every day and I treat it like a nine to five and I just treat it like a job. I was like, how long have you been waiting for this moment? I used to dream. I used to have a dream about getting on a bike and riding my bike to my studio at the mm, beginning of yo, the day. That, yo. Yeah, you know what I mean? And you do like that now, right? Yeah, and you just do, get, go get my coffee at the spot. I know everybody. My, like, I used to dream about the mundaneness yo. of that. Like the, the life I live of just, oh, what's up? What's up, Jim? Good to see you. Yeah, let me get my ice cap. I'm going to do this. Talk to people in the neighborhood. I'm known as like the artist around the yo. neighborhood. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, what you working on now? Crystal, you know, it's like the Simpsons, like you skip to work, you like same dude. You know, the, it's crazy you say that because <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, or whatever, like uh, when I worked in you know, fashion or whatever, and it's just like I would see these white folks, like these hips or white folks that like ride their bikes to work or whatever, yeah. and I gotta like commute, you know, from uptown, downtown, and shit like that. And I was like, damn, what the what must that feel like, like to yeah. like, right? And it's just like, and I literally the same thing it's just like yo i like i walk I, my, my my shop is five to ten minutes and it's same in the and it's way. in my that's where i live yeah. i live by my spot like yeah ten it, minutes away it's um it's it's the best it's the it, best it's the best people like, don't want to even understand like that was the biggest reward for me it like, is like i just always wanted to just do this for a living like, yeah i wanted like i knew there would be new stresses but i was like but it's worth it. It's worth it. Because you don't like, have to deal with just... some boss that calls you into their fucking office and oh. tells you some passive aggressive shit. No, if I could just get up and really just feel this type of energy and like, you know, like with any type of job, some days I'd be like exhausted. I'd be that like, ass. but you know what though? I know what this moment is. And it's like, it took nearly half my life to get to it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm definitely this later half of my life loving every inch of it every day i get to life and people people stress me out more than i stress myself out with mm. like how, how hard i go like and they'll help me realize that i'm being like unhealthy they're yeah. like Yo, you need to like take a break or like you know because i work through every holiday everything mm. i'm just like project based i'm like what projects i gotta do so what's your creative peak time yeah i'm an early bird okay so I've been getting up at 6 a.m. Uh-huh. I'm at the um coffee shop by seven. Mm-hmm. I'm on I'm on uh my iPad or sketching or uh, my main thing that I have to do now as a ritual is I have this huge um project planner. It's the best thing mm. ever. But I lay that out, look at the whole week, I'll write like 
my goals for the week. Yeah. And then I'll try to take the goals and spread them all out through the week. Mm. And then I'll just execute that week. Right. But then yeah. after I close that, then I'll try to sketch before I start looking at emails because emails are stressful. Mm-hmm. So I'll try to like get as much sketching as I can get in for like nine, 10 o'clock. Ten staff shows up at 10 o'clock. Yeah. I'm usually here at nine, getting ready for them to give them their day, what they need to execute. And then someplace in between there, managing all my teams, I'm finding time to create and do things. But like a lot of my ideas are going to come at night when everybody's gone. And I don't have to like. But you still here? I'm still here. Uh, what time? Like what time you leave the office? Oh, yeah, exactly. Like my studio assistant has this joke. Like, do you live here? Like, do you leave? It's like sometimes, like I'm really good about going home and working now too. Like splitting up my my time. But sometimes mm-hmm. I'll go home, eat, do some stuff, and then come back here at nine, and then go from nine to two, and come back. Cause I get the most work done from nine to two because nobody's here. No one's, there's no one to talk to. Everybody's turned off, you know, to a certain extent. I can just like get busy. But so you sound like you're a workaholic. I'm a workaholic. When was the last time you took a vacation? I'm, I'm trying to do it. Uh, it's funny. I'm trying to go to Oaxaca. I'm trying to go to Mexico after Labor Day weekend. Like this would be my first vacation and maybe, uh, Maybe a year, I think I took a, a year. I haven't been on vacation in a year. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm trying to think. Nothing. I mean, in all, I don't even know if I can count. I would say a couple of years. I don't know if I can even count the vacations. I'm trying mm. to tell you was a vacation. What I'll do most of the time is like one of my installs. Like I had to go to Portland to do an install a couple of weeks ago. I was just on TV. I filmed CBS, the show. Mm-hmm. Which I, one? CBS this morning? On Sunday, no, Sunday I f- morning? I filmed on this show called The Activist just to extend oh, okay. my brand. Really, okay. really, um, really funny show. But I was a I was advisor for the contestant on there. Oh, you okay. know how like cooking shows yeah, I have yeah, an expert yeah, yeah, coming yeah, yeah. Nice. Like, you should maybe do this and do mm-hmm. that. It's up to them to listen to it and execute it. But it was it was hard watching like other people do what I do. Like, mm. You know what I mean? That was hard for me to do on that show. But yeah, I am a workaholic. I don't I don't take any breaks. Um, I don't, I don't like to place so, of work everywhere. So, I mean, what do you, what, like, I know it's a question that I get asked, like, what do you do for fun? And I always say, well, you know, work is fun. Yeah. But what are some of the things that you enjoy, that you, that you enjoy that has nothing to do with work? Like, do you, are you into food? You like food? Yeah, I love cooking. I love um, traveling. I love snowboarding. Okay. I love, I'm really into like bike culture. Like, you know, I- Motorcycles or? Uh, fixies. Like, okay. Like I'll uh-huh. take my bike apart, like change the sets out, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love doing that. I have a Bianchi uh, super piece up front, Italian frame. But yeah, I like riding. I, I love running. Running's my thing. I run everywhere I go. So like when I was in Rio, when I was in Africa, when I was in, like I always bring running shoes with me. Yeah. I'm always prepared. That's my favorite way to take in a new place is to mm, get up yes, early of course, in the totally, morning yes. and job. What's your sign? I'm an Aries. Okay. That, okay. What are you? No, I'm a Cancer. My father's an Aries, but it's <laughs> we, just like, no, I'm the same way. We got a lot common. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's just artists. Like, it's hard. We're going to stay in touch too because like, I feel like artists, friends, like we need to like, we need have these conversations even off a of podcast. Yes, for sure. And just share information and also too like, 
I don't know. It's just cool to meet another because we have a lot of similarities too. like our grind. Like we're self-contained because like I'm not represented by any gallery. Like, you know, what I, mean? I just I just work with I work with galleries once in a while. You know what I mean? But, you know, I'm self-contained, too. So it's like I understand that so well, like having to get up the days you don't feel like you don't feel like doing anything i just force it when i feel like that i'm just like i'm gonna put myself in a situation to see what comes out but i try to be good about it i try to like treat it like a nine to five and i like i get up early so i could be out of here by five o'clock yeah and if i have enough time to like take a break and then go back in for a second shift like i'm really inspired by all the artists before me that have done such amazing things you know what i found in common with all those artists what is they don't have a cut off like mm. they get an idea like one in the morning yeah like some of the greatest stories would be like yo he called me to the studio at 3 a.m because he had an idea like i've just been trying to been open to that too like if it if it's random shit and i need to just get up and do it or like keep a notebook by my table or yeah. fuck it if i wake up at three in the morning and i feel like i need to just work for two hours to get this idea out and then i go back to sleep like do that shit now have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome? What's that? The imposter syndrome refers to an internal experience of believing that you're not as competent as others perceive you to be. That are not what? That you're not as a, incompetent as others perceive you to be. Like, you ever dealt with that? Yeah. And then I, think how- I, I think I have. Yeah. Honestly, just, and, and that's how, um, I think early on, I was dealing with that, but then once I got out of that, I became successful. Okay. Just being comfortable in my own mm-hmm. skin, but... And your point of view, right? Right. Like, I think a lot of the times, too, like, I think, and social's the worst for this, yes. I feel like. Yes. You'll get online, and you'll scroll, and it'll fuck... It'll, sorry, Molly, but it'll mess up good. that whole thing. Yeah. You had locked in your head, you'll go see something another artist is doing, or they'll start showing all the good exactly. and not the bad. Yep. And you'll be like, dang, am I even like where I need to be? Am I supposed to be doing this? Mm-hmm. Or like sometimes I'll think it's too good to be true. I'll be like, yes. Yo, like, like, yeah, I, 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 it still seeps in. I can't even front. No, of course. It's a battle your whole life. Yeah. But I think I've gotten better at accepting that there is no other uh, one but yourself. Yeah. And like, this is, you only got one time to live. And you know what else? Play the game. Like, I, I was like, that. I was like playing the, play, play the game. I used to not play the game. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that I used to think that all these businesses and all these successful people were just like so rich. They had everything. They were buying but I figured out I wasn't playing the game with corporate America. Yeah. They have a business set up. They have the same stuff. Yeah. Boom. Yeah, Once yeah, exactly. Yeah, out like all that when, stuff, I'm like, yeah. wait, wait, this, wait, what? Warren Buffett doesn't own one? Like, I'm like, oh, you guys are playing the games. I need stocks. Oh, shit, I need a, I need a portfolio. I need, like, I need credit. I need to have a good credit score so I could get equipment and pay for it later. Like, I just started playing the game, but now I'm just like, who, who the fuck else is supposed to? You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, you know what I mean? If it's not me, then it's going to be some, some, some Joe Smoke. But I just feel like, yeah, I just feel good now. I feel, 
I feel comfortable in like what I am and what I'm supposed to be. But then like, yeah, sometimes you go on a gram. I'm not even going to front. That's why you don't see me on there a lot. That's why I don't like, I've gotten worse and worse and like everybody's nagging me to be better. But now I go on there. Like, it's not, there's nothing motivating more. about it. Like I hate it. I hate it. Okay. Hate why it. do you hate it? Because there's nothing there that is motivating to me. Like everybody is pretending to have a good life or right, you see people, you know, being artists starter kit that everybody follows and shit. And it's just like, I, I just don't see anything that, that I'm like, yo, that, that's really inspires me because when I see something great, when I see this and when I see this, I'm like, I'm so blown away by it Thank you. that it gets my juices flowing. Right. It, it it just inspires me to go and create something. Right. Now I don't, I'm not going to create this. I'm not going right. to create a lion, but it's just like the fact that, you know, you created this, you're, 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 you're a man of color like myself. And it's just like, and, and then on top of that, this is like, this isn't this. This is not shit. This is like like it's even yo the 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 the, the Mazda DIY thing. That's incredible, and I'm happy to see that. Right, like yo, you're one of the first people that's ever seen it. I'm inspired, like just you're you're the that you made this. So like as a as a business person, and I, I respect it, right. Thank and then you. on top of that, y'all making it here, yeah. right. So it's like. Your margins must be. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the margins to get there, though, yeah. are like crazy. Like that laser machine in the front, that's a $30,000 laser. Yeah. You know what I mean? So taking that investment. Yeah. No, and seeing how you invest in yourself. And again, what the uh, one of the reasons why this podcast is that to show people like, one, you have to invest in yourself. Yeah. You have to, you you know, like, like you said, you bought a $30,000 freaking machine. Like, you know, but you're investing in yourself. You believe in what, what you're doing. So... All of that to me is inspiring. And when I go on social media, it's just like it's become this other thing. Well, because the fake, the fake do better on there. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's like you're trying to like compete with a world that's all built off nothing real. Yeah. So it's like it, it kind of is a daunting task if you live in reality because now you're trying to figure out all these tricks and times and things where you can comp- compete with all these fake plots. like, don't want to deal any i don't want to deal with any of but also like why are so many people dancing and why do i care <laughs> like so why so why like uh, you know like i actually love dance but the whole thing about like like the like tiktok is something that i really hate and because it, oh. it's just like people and it's just like these tiktok channels and it's just like why does this have all this like this is really has like all that, the power too. like this is where we at yeah. That these little stupid dances is a thing, and it's Yo, just like it has I, all the power. I, too. It's so wild, it's you so know. Wow, bro. But so I have two more questions for you. Um, if you wasn't doing this, and obviously you've been that de- you're 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 destined to do this, right? Just just hearing your your background and and. But if if you wasn't if in an alternative universe. What does Chris? What would Christoph be doing? Cook, cook, chef. Facts, same. Facts. I'd be a chef. Yes, I always wanted to be one. I love cooking, man. Like cooking is like the key to the soul. It's just mm. like, and it's the most rewarding thing if you really understand your ingredients. Yeah, and you can like because you can cook better than any restaurant mm. if you want to. Because nothing's gonna beat fresh and like ingredients you can go and like smell and decide what the cut is and what are all the flavors you want to highlight. Like to me, it's the similarities in art. My mother always wanted me to go to. To culinary school? Always. Did your mom teach you how to cook? 
Of course. Okay. Mom, single parent, one of the best cooks I've ever seen in my life. Yes. And like. What's your favorite dish that she makes? Man, she made so many. That's like, damn, that's a hard question. I think. Does your mom still live in Chicago? She's still in Chicago. So when you go to Chicago, what's the first, what she's going to make for you? Okay, see, here's the thing. And this is going to be strange. She's like, my mom is like this worldly, like, like, I'm going to, like, I was having mussels and wine sauce as snacks when I was like nine, bro. Like, heating that up in the microwave when she was gone. Like, she showed me how to pour the wine in the, in the mussels, throw them in the microwave for six minutes and pull them out. Like, my mom, like, she makes the best, like, stews and chicken dishes and seafood dishes. Like, I, I don't have one particular. I feel bad. Like, I don't have, like, she doesn't have no special name. Like, she, like, my mom will take a whole chicken breast and instead of chicken satay, it'll be the whole chicken breast will be, the whole chicken will be chicken satay. Like, mm. she'll take the same flavoring the like, and cook it soul food. Damn. And then the way my mom did soul food, like, when I used to eat soul food, I don't eat soul like food. Like mac and cheese and all of that oh greatness. Oh, my God. Like the way she would throw down, but like my father was an amazing cook too. Mm. My favorite like dish to make that has nothing to do with like the home cooked meals or like all the amazing seafood my mom made or mm-hmm. is boiled. Like it's this dish in the Bahamas. It's boiled fish where they serve it with grits, some little hot peppers in this fish stew. And it's usually grouper. And it's just like water, potatoes, a couple onions, lime these little peppers and it's the bone-in grouper cooking in that broth for like 20 minutes not that long Mm -hmm. and then you take that and you pour it over your grits with an egg and some hot sauce that's my favorite that's your go-to that's my go-to like that dish to to this day i can do it with halibut like whatever else i want but grouper it tastes the best Mm. but it's like one of those traditional like seafood dishes that that come from the island that we all love. We love that conch salad. Is another. I don't make that at home all the time because you have to have conch to do it. Yeah, yeah. It's say, funny because I learned that conch, conch, whatever that is, is called lamb, it's called lambi in DR. Lambi. Yeah, lambi. Do y'all make it? Do y'all make it a lot? Lambi. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same way how we prepare. I don't. Tomatoes, I don't know because I don't onion. eat. I don't eat. Uh, I, I'm a very picky eater, and so I don't. I never really ate that stuff before. No seafood. No, but it's crazy because now I eat like I, I eat sushi now, and the reason why is because I went to Japan uh, what two oh, years ago, sh- and I was like, when I go to Japan, I'm gonna have sushi for Boy, the first time. Wait, you went to when did you go? Two years ago. Oh, you went like the height of COVID or what? No, t- 2019. 2019. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when did COVID start? 2020. 2020? Yeah. Oh, yeah, last you're year, right. Yeah. Last yeah, year. That's like April. It's March, been a whatever. blur. I don't know when we're coming out of this. <laughs> yeah. Yo, where did you go? I went to uh, Tokyo. I, I, I went to Tokyo and then like I had some friends that live over there. And How inspired were you, bro? That's Dude, I crazy. will go live. I will live over there. That place is incredible. And my and what happened was my friends they they were, they took me to like a a, a a a town that's in the coast and that's where I had the the sushi. So I even got to go to like the beach and all of that. What? Rode in the train. That place is did the you, future. Did you blow out there? What do you mean? Oh no, nah. You can't, right? 
No, I didn't know. It's dangerous. Yeah, but you go to I, real I was eating, I was drinking some good ass whiskey though. Oh, I bet. But um, no, I, it was it was it, it that place is the future and it's incredible and it's like definitely one of the places. You know what was amazing about Tokyo is that obviously you know I'm I'm six one and it's like walking behind a small Asian lady. She's not turning around to see who's behind her. Yeah, I'm you know so, what I'm saying? You know, yeah. you know what I'm talking oh, about, right? Oh, my God, in New York. In New like, York, I, when people worst, cross I the street. if it's late and I'm behind someone that. of another race. Yes, And they that. keep looking back. I hate, and they're making I, me feel uncomfortable. I cross the street. I actually cross the street. I do, too. Or I and stop. there's something wrong with that. It just, we it, shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, it is New York. But then, also, so my last question is, um, obviously, with with all the years that you have uh, being an artist and creating, what's one piece of advice that you would give, you know, a a future creative or somebody that that's, or somebody who's out here just trying to kind of like, let's say be in your position. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, what's one thing that you have learned and one thing that you stick to that, that you could just pass down. Work through the pain. Mm. Never stop. Um, and I think these all kind of work together in terms of the only way you're going to see growth in your career as an artist is never getting too comfortable. Facts. Once you get too comfortable, it's time to start pushing, you know, your abilities, you know, and, and seeing what else is out there. You know, I think this idea of just this repetitive nature of staying the same. Like to me, one thing about my art career is like I've evolved through mediums. I haven't been, I haven't let people be like, you're the Nike boss guy. Mm, that's right. You only do. And that's what the art world was telling me. Yeah. Were like you need to only do this. And mm. maybe I would have had 3 million followers and I would have been known as the Nike box dude and just had shoes. But it's bigger than that. I want to preserve my legacy. And it's always been about process and to preserve your legacy. The story's got to be bigger than just a stunt. Facts. No, you know you're, I mean? you're, you're right about cats, that. A lot One of these social ponies. stars and stuff, yeah. they're not going to be talked about historically. Yep. Because you didn't reinvent anything. You were part of the rat race. You're just another rat it's, in it. And so many people don't have a real point of view. It's just surface artwork. And you and like you just said, you could have had 3 million followers, right? Yeah. Right? But it's just like, yeah, you're the Nike shoebox dude. I like, could only, only show you shoeboxes every day. No, that's I would corny. show you shoeboxes every day. I would show you a sneaker yeah. drop. And then I would show you a sculpture I made from the sneaker mm-hmm. drop. I mean, that's that's that would be easy for me to do. I think the problem a lot of people have with me early on is because I never, like, my brain just don't work like that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. It's going to keep evolving into my own cardboard now. I, but like, that, I, that I need goes my to, own cardboard. But that, that, that says a lot about you as an individual, right? That, that means that deep down inside, you was not going to be happy with yourself if you continue being that person. Right. And it's just like, nah, like, how am I, how am I pushing this? Like you just said, you're making your own cardboard. Like you, this, this kit thing is amazing and it's no, it doesn't have a swoosh on it or whatever. It's your shit. It's my shit. Yeah. It's my shit. It's my technology. It's my Legos. Yeah. Yeah, I, man. I mean, I can dope. license this out to anyone, you know what I mean? Yeah. But for now I'm going to own it. Like, you know what I mean? And I like, fucking love it, man. Thank you, bro. I can't wait to bring this to my students. Like, you know, I give a lot of lectures and stuff, mm. and I was talking about these projects. And I did a workshop with Foot Action where we we took waste and built. I built some with fifteen college students, but like I was telling them about this project, I was like, I can't wait to start 
not only getting this to people who wanted to collect my work, but also just educating through this process. Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fire. Christoph. Yo. Yo. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. This is actually the longest oh. uh, podcast that I've done, which is great. I, I knew once I walked in here, we started to talk. Yeah. I was like, yeah, this is going to be long. Yeah. But I don't have, but that's the thing. Again, it's like, there's no rules. So I don't care. Like it's something that's that I would, dope. that I would put out. Like I don't, I'm not following no rules in anything. So this is dope. Yeah. I man. think, I think too, like it's amazing what you're doing. Like, please don't stop because we need to, I've been waiting for a show like that. That was more about the grinders too, mm, like yes. you know what I mean. That are yeah. kind of caught in between worlds, yep. not just one thing, or they're not even that they don't do a bunch of different things. But it's just like they're kind of in this gray zone in the industry where you can't really call it. Anything. Yeah. So bringing insight to that process it's gonna be so dope for other artists. I yes. think it's gonna be really good. Man. Yeah, man. I'm look. I'm looking forward to I, it. So. When I start a podcast one day, you gotta you owe me one. Oh yeah, for sure, man. I, I'm there. <laughs> All right, man. Peace. All right, peace.